morning, everyone. It's good to see you all and to be sharing my thoughts with you this morning. Um, originally, the talk I was going to give this morning was, I was going to call it, uh, We Are One, A Psychological Perspective. And then as I thought about that, it seems a little bit too didactic and a little bit too academic and not really reflecting very clearly what I'm feeling these days. So I hope today to be talking more from my heart, a little less from my head. And the topic this morning is what sustains us in difficult times. Back in March, when I gave my last Dharma talk, I spoke with some optimism about how we were going to be in the post-pandemic world of the fall, when uh, there would hopefully everyone would be vaccinated and less divisiveness in the society and things looking much, much better, how we would be building and constructing a new normal that would be a better world. And uh, I still hope and believe that that time is going to come, but it seems far away from where we are right now. And believe me, I who often pride myself on being a glass half full kind of person do not want to be a voice of negativity this morning, believe me, I really don't. But I do want to acknowledge the realities with which we're living right now. And the fact that these are still very difficult times for all of us. Granted, there are things for which we can be grateful today, things that are promising and hopeful. The vaccination, let's face it, has been a scientific marvel, has offered us an impressive level of protection against the COVID virus. New York City is one of the most heavily vaccinated places in the world. Things here are opening up at an amazing rate. Broadway theaters, movies, gyms, the Philharmonic, the opera, all giving at least an outward appearance of a return to normalcy. And yet what I think, if we all think about it, and if we're honest, we don't feel that this is normal at all. We are anywhere near what we would call normalcy. Two months ago, three months ago, there were 70,000 new COVID cases in the country per day. In the last week, there have been 90,000 new cases per day. Two months ago, there were 4,000 new cases a day in New York State. Last few days, there's been 6,500 new cases every day in New York State. Now, this is due in part, obviously, to the percentage of fully vaccinated people in the US. Two months ago, there were 56% of the population vaccinated. Today, it's only 59%. So nowhere near what we would need to attain herd immunity. And many epidemiologists are saying, let's give up on that idea. We are not going to reach herd immunity. It's not going to happen. Also, it's due to the fact of the Delta variant and what that has meant and how that has spread. And now we have this new variant from South Africa that they say is five times more transmissible than the Delta variant. Uh, now, while death rates have lowered considerably, the fact is that it's likely that we are going to be living with COVID for some time and maybe for a number of years. And meanwhile, the political divisiveness that became so, so apparent during the Trump era has not gone away. If anything, sometimes it feels like it's become worse with all of the 
anti-vaxxers and the noise that they've been making, the continuation of violence in our society. Gun sales are up more than 30% in the last six months. All right, enough. You get the picture. I don't want to spell it out any more than this. The point I'm trying to make is simply that if we were living in difficult times back in March when I last spoke, uh, we're still living in times that are very difficult and it's hard to have any perspective on when to expect that that's going to change dramatically. So what can we do about this? What can we do to avoid getting depressed or feeling cynical? What sustains us in difficult times? I can only speak from personal experience and tell you what sustains me. And I hope that some of this will apply to you as well. And the things that I'll list are not necessarily in the order of importance, but just as they have come to mind. The first thing that comes to mind is the importance of not losing my faith, not giving in to depression and frustration, not losing faith in the belief that what I say and do matters, even though I'm only one of 8 billion people on this earth and one piece of sand in the beach of humanity. Dorian recently shared with us a wonderful quote from Martin Luther King when he said, all life is interrelated. We are all caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied into a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. There's a Zen saying that I love that says, when a leaf falls in Tokyo, the earth trembles in Beijing. In the 1960s, the meteorologist Edward Lorenz coined the concept, the butterfly effect suggesting that the wind from a single butterfly flapping its wings in California could begin a series of meteorological events leading to a tornado in Kansas. Everything that we say and do has either positive or negative repercussions, like the widening ripples from a stone dropped in the middle of a pool. We're usually not aware of the repercussions, but everything we say and do does matter. I really believe that. A simple word spoken with love can sometimes make another person's day or week or month. And the stands that we take on social and political issues, the votes that we make on election day, these things do matter. I really believe that. And this belief does help to sustain me. The second thing that sustains me is spending as much time as possible with the people I love, my family, my friends. This has been difficult in COVID times, but thanks to internet communication, it's been a lot more possible than I think we dared hope or imagine. The topic of who we spend our time with has come up a few times in recent Dharma talks. Recently, Doyen shared the second grandmaster Chung Sang saying that who we spend our time with is important for our spiritual development and suggesting that we should avoid those who would have a negative influence on us. And Doyen quoted the Dharmapada that says, there is no companionship with a fool. It's better to go alone. Now this, this is a tough idea. 
because sometimes there's some among us with whom we have the closest ties, even our family, who we don't trust or have grown not to trust, who we have found ourselves strongly disagreeing with and who we feel are a negative influence, but we're hesitant to break off from because, because they're family. I currently know several people who decided not to spend Thanksgiving and perhaps not Christmas either with their parents because they feel betrayed by their parents' political ideas and stands, largely pro-Trump, anti-vax kind of stands that they feel they cannot tolerate. Now, these can be difficult decisions. With all the divisiveness in our society, somehow those on either side of the political spectrum have to find some way to talk to each other, don't they? But how do we do that? Does spending time with those who we feel embrace unethical and abusive beliefs, does that equate to spending time with a fool in the Dharmapada's words? So that we should therefore avoid them? But if we do that, how will we ever find common ground? I think this is one of the most difficult issues we deal with today, and I really don't have an answer for it. Joyen offered a helpful suggestion in her talk two weeks ago when she said that approaching family and friends with love does not always mean agreeing with them. Sometimes it means being thoughtfully critical, not from a sense of anger or condemnation, but from a motivation of love, of wanting to do what's best for them and for us. Having said that, nonetheless, I find it sustains me to spend as much time as possible with those whom I love and respect and from whom I feel mutual love and respect. And that very much includes this Sangha. Thirdly, I find it sustains me to do those things that I love to do. This involves a whole host of things. It can mean taking a walk in which I enjoy the natural beauty in the park, or it can mean sitting in a movie theater watching a movie that I like, playing the piano, enjoying a good meal at the Italian restaurant around the corner from my apartment. The important thing is that these are things that I enjoy. The psychologist Karen Horn and I wrote an essay several years ago called The Tyranny of the Should, in which she stated that a large part of positive mental health is being able to replace a lot of the shoulds in our lives with the want tos doing more what we want to do rather than what we feel we should do. Now, while this sounds selfish, she suggests that the fact is that if we really follow our gut and do more what we need and want to do, we often end up largely doing the right thing and being freed from the resentment of following shoulds all the time. Of course, that does not free us from the need for discipline in our lives if I spent all of my time, all my free time watching shows on Netflix, I don't think I'd feel very fulfilled. But during the COVID crisis, it's felt good to give myself permission to watch Netflix and Amazon Prime, baseball games, football games, basketball games. And it's been great to go back to movie theaters. I've been to five movies in the last six weeks with my mask on, of course. It has felt very freeing Last Sunday night, I had a wonderful time with my granddaughter, two Sundays ago, actually, at the Big Apple Circus. This was the best of both worlds, being with someone I love dearly and doing something I really love to do. 
So doing what we love to do, which is different for each of us, I think within reasonable limits of time and energy can be very sustaining. And I think we need to give ourselves permission to do that. A fifth thing that I've found sustaining is trying to maintain a positive attitude, trying to see the good things even in troubled times and being grateful for them. When I was younger, I used to make fun of books like Norman Vincent Peale's The Power of Positive Thinking. It seemed simplistic and superficial. But the older I've gotten, the more I've come to realize the importance of looking for what, looking at what is positive in every situation. When I was a kid, there was a popular song, which most of you probably don't know, it dates me. Uh, and the words were, accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, and don't mess with mystery in between. Now that is a bit simplistic and that's not exactly what I'm suggesting, though in part I am. Sometimes life can be cruel and not all lemons that we are handed can be turned into lemonade. But even painful situations can sometimes become learning experiences or lead to good things. I think of an experience I had back in 1968 when I was concluding a three-year stint as pastor of the American Protestant Church in Antwerp, Belgium. I had applied to become pastor of the International Church in Zurich, Switzerland, and they had accepted me for that post. I was delighted, but only to have my hopes dashed when the Zurich Church let me know that they had decided to uninvite me because I had suggested that they should help pay for my moving expenses from Belgium to Switzerland. I was devastated. But the very next day, I got the, after I got that news, I got a letter from Union Theological Seminary in New York saying that they had accepted me into the PhD program in psychiatry and religion and were offering me a sizable scholarship and a TA position. Who knows where I'd be now if I'd gone to Zurich? But that change in plans has led to 50 fulfilling years in the mental health field. Surely, I think, an example of grace arising from harm. Trying to remain positive, I think, sometimes means just learning how to frame things that we see and experience, frame them differently. I know I've shared this with you before, probably a couple of times, but I want to share it again. A simple Native American phrase that is on a sign beneath a rose bush in Balboa Park, San Diego. The sign says, you can say how terrible it is that this rose bush has thorns. Or you can say how wonderful it is that this thorn bush has roses. I love that. It makes me think of one afternoon in my therapy practice a couple years ago, when one of my clients came in cursing the New York subway system and how everyone on the train looked miserable and unhappy. Later that same afternoon, another client came in smiling and telling me how wonderful it was to watch a young mother communicating with her one-year-old on the same crowded subway. We tend to see what we expect to see. And New York City is like a Rorschach test, I think, in that respect. Maintaining a positive attitude, I think, also sometimes means avoiding things that we know are going to be negative and pull us down. In part, I would go along with what uh, uh, Pastor Chan San said and uh, Dharmapada that sometimes we need to avoid people who we know are going to pull us down if we spend too much time with them. 
But for me lately, this has meant spending as little time as possible watching the news on TV. The news media in this country thrives on exploiting human misery because that's what draws viewers and it brings corporate profits. We really saw that to an extreme, I think, during the Trump administration. I think the news media in this country in general is awful. It's biased, it plays on the worst of human emotions. And it is almost always about what is happening in this country with very little concern about what's happening in the rest of the world. That's not to say that some newscasts aren't better than others. BBC News, PBS NewsHour are certainly more responsible than network news or CNN or MSNBC, or especially Fox News. But by and large, the news is depressing these days. And it's much more geared to tell us about what is going wrong than what is going right. So I try to watch just enough news to get the latest headlines. And I personally feel much better off for avoiding repetitive negative news. A sixth thing that I found sustains me is continuing to do my work and do it as well as I can. I feel very fortunate to have a job that I find rewarding and hopefully productive. As a psychotherapist, I feel it's a privilege to be able to share in the major events and intimacies of people's lives. At the end of most working days, I feel that I love my work. It feeds me, helps me find meaning in my existence. So I don't see myself retiring anytime soon, if ever. I'm aware that many people don't feel that way about their work, but I'm also struck by how many people in the most mundane of jobs can find some sense of fulfillment in their work, especially when there is thoughtfulness and mutual respect with their coworkers. The psychologist Eric Erickson talked about what he felt was a basic human need during our adult lives, but especially in the middle years. He called this generativity. And by this, he said he meant being engaged in some major activity, whether it be your work, creative expression, your role in family life, where you feel that what you're doing is fulfilling, that it has meaning and hopefully is more helpful than harmful to others having a bit of a feeling that if I should die tomorrow, at least there's some things I've done in this life that will make the world a little better off for my having been there. I think that Erickson was absolutely right that we need to have this sense of generativity and find it where we can in our lives. For me, I find it very much in my work. For you, it might lie in other aspects of your life, but I think we all need that sense of generativity to sustain us. Finally, and this, is, this list has gotten far too long, I feel sustained by my spiritual practice. I'm bringing this up last, but it probably should have been first at the top of the list. I find that meditation and prayer are very life-sustaining for me. And as Doyen pointed out in her talk two weeks ago, perhaps even more sustaining is the community, the sangha in which we all share. It is so important for me to know that I'm part of a community of one Buddhists who share my desire for a better world, which is governed by love, compassion, and empathy. Part of a community in which one can talk about spiritual issues and be taken seriously. And being part of this Sangha has been a real blessing for me for the past 25 years. I feel blessed to be a part of this community. 
it really goes a long way in sustaining me in these tough times. Thank you for letting me share my thoughts with you this morning. Thank you.